Welcome to the Mariners Cast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. <clears throat> Today is July 8th, uh, Tuesday. Mariners will face off against the San Diego Padres for a quick two-game set starting today, uh, ending tomorrow. On today's Mariners cast, we will uh, go over the Mariners standings, uh, talk a bunch about the new uh, promotion of 2020 first-round pick Emerson Hancock, right-handed starting pitcher from AA into the Mariners rotation, in all probability, making his first major league start on Wednesday. We will preview the upcoming series against the San Diego Padres, as we always do, and then if I have time, I want to dig, start to dig into some early uh, 2024 offseason thoughts. Both ESPN and CBS Sports published uh, their top 10 free agent targets for 2024 and just got my brain going about uh, what I think the Mariners could do and what I think the Mariners should do in the offseason. So let's get started. Mariners are 60 and 52, six and a half games behind the Texas Rangers in the American League West and three games behind second place Houston. Uh, They are three games out of the wild card plus 47 run differential, eight and two in the last 10 and 10 and two in their last 12 games. The Mariners announced about an hour or two ago that they were promoting Emerson Hancock, 24-year-old right-handed starting pitching prospect, to the major leagues. Uh, they have not made an announcement as to what the corresponding move is. They also have not talked about what is going to happen uh, with regards to the rotation. A couple of folks have speculated Mariners could move to a six-man rotation and lessen the load on Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Uh If they did this, it would cost them either a bullpen arm or a bench offensive bench player. I don't know that they can sacrifice either of those two. Maybe a Devin Sweet goes down, something like that. Uh, Hancock could replace Wu in the rotation. They could shut Wu down, at least for now. Um, I don't think that is a bad uh, solution, given the number of innings he's thrown so far. Or they could even do something less conventional, like have uh, Brian Wu and Bryce Miller rotate who takes the start and uh, have them each pitch every 10th day or so. I don't think that is an option. I don't know that I've ever seen that. But considering the fact that uh, you have two rookies in the four and five spot currently who have innings caps, uh, it's just it is a thought. Um, They probably would be pretty rusty if they did that, though. So who is Emerson Hancock? Uh, he's 6'4", 213 pounds, 24 years old. He was the sixth overall pick by the Mariners out of the University of Georgia in 2020. Uh, baseball Prospectus had him rated as the number two prospect in the Mariners organization coming into the season. He was not rated in their top one, 101. And then MLB Pipeline had uh, Hancock as the number four prospect in the organization uh, as of midseason this this year, but also was not in their top 100. 
When the Mariners picked Emerson Hancock, he was uh, considered a top of the rotation candidate. That's what you expect when you take someone number six overall. It was uh, the COVID summer of 2020. And so I think scouting was very limited and very difficult uh, during this draft. Hancock has been hurt um, quite a bit. He had a, a shoulder injury in 21. He had a right uh, lat injury in 2022. This impacted him greatly uh, and impacted his development, which is why it's taken him two and a half years to get to the major leagues after being drafted out of college. But this season, he has pitched very well. He's 11 and five in double A with a 4.32 ERA. It doesn't really tell the story about how good he's been. Um, He's been healthy, which is a good start. He struck out 107 batters in 98 innings, and that was one of the knocks on him was that he wasn't quite the strikeout pitcher you would want from a uh, starter, and he started to strike out a lot more hitters. I think part of that is elevation of the fastball. Um, his fastball is has a lot of tail and uh, looks almost like a two-seamer at times, and it's been it's pretty easy to hit, or at least that's the way it appears. Um when it's lower in the zone. So he's learned to elevate that pitch quite a bit more this season. It's grades out as a 55 uh, in the 2080 scale. He sits 93 to 96 tops out at 97, Uh, but better pitch shape this season in his ability to elevate the fastball. And that's helped him tremendously. Uh, He's firmed up the slider a bit. It sits 86, 87. That's also a 55 pitch for me. It's a little more firm than it was uh, in previous seasons. He's kind of uh, bucked the trend of the sweeper and and is going with a harder slider. Not quite a gyro, but a little bit more tight and traditional. Uh, and then he's got a changeup, which, in my opinion, is his best pitch. That's a 60-grade pitch for me. I think it will develop into his best strikeout pitch. Um, it dives and fades quite a bit, also sits in the mid-80s. But to me, that's his out pitch, and that's the one that's going to separate him um, as long as he can continue to locate uh, the four-seamer. Then he does have a curveball. He doesn't throw it often. Um, I don't think it's going to be a part of his repertoire uh, in the major leagues. I do think you'll see the Mariners, once he makes uh, the major league team, do with him as they have with Brian Wu and Bryce Miller in tweaking his pitch mix and potentially adding, you know, with him, it might be trying to get him to throw a more traditional four seam and a more traditional sinker to really separate those two. Um, I think that's the first adjustment they would make. And then, as we've seen, they may try to add a splitter down the road as well. But very exciting. Again, he was the number six overall pick in 2020 by the Mariners a top five prospect in the organization. And I think an underrated starting pitching prospect uh, throughout baseball. I see Hancock really settling in as a number four starter. I think he has the potential to be slightly better than that. Um, You know, when he first was drafted, people saw him as a number two. I think his upside is probably as a three. Uh, And if he's at the back of the end of the rotation, he's a number five. Um, that's he, he's still a very good number five. Uh, it's easy to envision him, envision he, Wu, and Miller uh, together in this rotation. 
but that gives the Mariners six starters going into next year. So you've got to wonder um, what's going to shake out. I will address that a bit later when we talk about free agency, but very exciting. Emerson Hancock's coming up. I believe he will probably take uh, Brian Wu's start on Wednesday, uh, heading into their weekend series with the Orioles. So cool stuff. Been waiting for this for a couple of years. Mariners fans, uh, top pitching prospect in the organization at this point in time, or at least closest to the majors with the chance to stick. So make sure to tune in for Wednesday's game. Uh, should be a lot of fun watching Emerson Hancock make his debut, assuming he's uh, pitching on Wednesday. The Mariners are facing the San Diego Padres the next two days. Both games are at home, 640 start. Uh, the matchup today is Logan Gilbert against Nick Martinez. Tomorrow it's Brian Wu. I guess it's Emerson Hancock now against uh, Hugh Darvish. Padres were founded in 1969. They were one of four teams, uh, four new teams in Major League Baseball, along with the Montreal Expos, who became the Washington Nationals, uh, the Kansas City Royals, and the Seattle Pilots, who moved after one year to Milwaukee to become the Brewers. The Padres have not... Our Padres have had 16 winning seasons uh, as of 2022, uh, which is rough considering they were founded in 69. Uh, so they've been around for, what is that, 46, 53 years and have had 16 winning seasons. They made the wild card in 20 and 22. They won the NL West division in 84, 96, 98, and then again in 05, and I believe it's 07 maybe. Um, I have this written wrong. Uh, they have won the National League pennant in 84 and in 98, um, but lost in both World Series. So they have not won a championship, uh, just like the Mariners. They're owned by Peter Seidler. He is the grandson of Walter O'Malley, who was the old Dodgers owner from 1950 to 1979. AJ Preller is their GM. Uh, you know, he's been done a lot of interesting stuff with the team and the roster. Uh, since 14, lots of big names, lots of free agents, um, it's kind of trying to build a, a superpower, so to speak right now. And then managers, Bob Melvin, former Mariners manager, former As or, uh, athletics manager. I have in my notes that I think the Padres had the coolest uniforms in baseball. I love the old school, the yellow and the brown. Uh, I remember it very fondly, um, as a kid. Watching these teams, uh, loved Tony Gwynn growing up, loved Benito Santiago growing up. Uh, Alan Wiggins, um, for those old school heads, uh, was a really fast, really fun player to watch as well. You know, Roberto Olimar was one of my favorite players. He had Trevor Hoffman, Fred McGriff, Ken Caminiti, Jake Peavy. So there is some history of uh, some very fun players on this team, uh, despite the lack of World Series championships. So brings us to present. Uh, this team is running a third highest payroll in baseball in 2023 at $252.8 million, uh, third only behind the Yankees and the Mets. You compare that to the Mariners at $134 million or 18th. So the Padres have, um, are, have a payroll of almost twice as much as the Mariners. Um, this is due in part to the big signings of uh, Xander Bogertz, 11, 11 years, $280 million through 2033. Uh, that was one of the players, uh, Mariners fans, or one of the shortstops Mariners fans had mentioned as a free agent. Just so you know, hitting 265, 340, 
with a 390 slug. That is good for a 730 OPS, 11 homers, 12 steals, and a sub 10% walk rate. Uh, that is not what you want to be paying $25.5 million for uh, per year through 2033. You Darvish, it signed an extension. It's a bargain, $18 million a year, six years, $108 million. He signed through 2028. Uh, the big one is Juan Soto. He's coming up in 25. They're trying to decide what to do with him. Uh, he's probably going to demand four to $500 million and potentially be worth it to whoever signs him. So that's the big question with the franchise as of right now. They did sign Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis to contract extensions. Uh, Machado is 11 years, 350. That's $31.8 million AAV through 2023, which would take him to age 40. And it's backloaded. So $35 million a year from 27 to 33. That contract is uh, going to be, it reminds me of the Miguel Cabrera contract to a certain extent, which is not good for the Padres. And then Fernando Tatis Jr., 14 years, $340 million AAV of 24-3. Through 2034, which would be his age 35 season, that also is backloaded 36 million from 29 to 34. So huge payroll commitments um, across the board, which is uh, why they are third in, in baseball and payroll. Blake Snell is a free agent at the end of the year, $16 million um, this year. Josh Hader is a free agent, $14 million. Nick Martinez, who we'll talk about in a minute, $10 million. And um, Robert Suarez, a reliever, is also signed to a $10 million contract. So you've got a lot of what I would consider to be frivolous money um, with a lot of these a lot of these uh, big names. If I was a Padres fan, I would have liked to have seen uh, maybe not seen the boat. I understand the Bogart signing. I don't. I don't love it. Um, if I was a Padres fan, that would be a rough one for me to swallow. They really did bite the bullet, or not bite the bullet. They really did kind of um, have to like grin and bear it, I guess is a better phrase, with the Machado uh, extension that just, to me, 40 years old, $35 million for a 40-year-old is tough. Tatis signing is great. I think the Darvish uh, extension was under market. And then what are they going to do with Soto? But you're still going to lose, likely lose um, Blake Snell and Josh Hader uh, at the end of the year and have to replace them with a uh, minor league system that is not flush with prospects given their uh, deal for Soto. So I don't know. I guess the future is now with them. Uh, you would think that that they would have had a uh, been doing better this season there was debate even as to whether they would actually uh, trade some of these pieces off at the deadline. They are currently 55 and 58 and 11 games out in the NL West. They do have a plus 63 run differential. And they are three games under 500, which has got to be re- a really tough pill to swallow for them. And then they are four games out in the wild card. So wild card wise, you can see them making it, but uh, you would expect a much better record out of a team with this many big names and this high of a payroll. So that brings us to uh, the team comparisons. The Padres are 12th in baseball in runs per game. The Mariners are 14th, very similar offensive production. Triple slash for the team, 241, 328, 415. 
Mariners 235-314-401. So slightly better triple slash from the Padres. 106 WRC plus, which is tied for eighth. Mariners are 103 WRC plus. They've hit 11 more home runs. They've stolen 13 more bases. So an offense who is scoring 0.09 runs more per game. Both teams have pretty much league average offenses, uh, but the counting stats are slightly better. The uh, pitching-wise, Mariners are – their ERAs are very similar at 3.84 and 3.80, um, but the whips are a bit – have a bit more um, range. So Mariners' whip is 1.18. That is tied for first in Major League Baseball. Padres' 1.27 whip tied for 10th. Still good. And then the walk rates, uh, Mariners have – or Padres have a 2.2% higher walk rate than the Mariners – they also strike out 1% less. So better pitching, slightly better pitching from the Mariners this season, slightly better hitting from the Padres. I think they are very well-matched teams, uh, production and talent-wise, but built very differently in, because the uh, Padres are so uh, top-heavy. So their lineup against, typically against a right-handed starter, is Hassan Kim, at second, hitting leadoff, Fernando Tatis in right field, Juan Soto at, in left field, Manny Machado hitting cleanup as the third baseman, Xander Bogus hitting fifth as the shortstop, Jake Cronenworth, first baseman, um, G-Man Choi, DH, Luis Campusano, catcher, and Trent Grisham um, hitting ninth in center field. Uh, bench doesn't have too much firepower to speak of. Gary Sanchez, Matt Carpenter, Garrett Cooper, um, all guys who been Matthew Batten, uh, all veterans, all a little bit older besides Batten, uh, but a veteran-laden team headed up by these stars. Uh, Juan Soto leads the team with 24 homers. Machado has 21. Uh, Tatis has 19. Stolen base-wise, Hassan Kim actually has 24 steals, which surprised me when I saw it. Tatis with 17, Bogarts with 12. And then, of course, you've got a handful of players that walk a ton. Uh, Juan Soto's walk rate is 20%, if you can believe that. And the strikeout rate is 20%, uh, which is just dumbfounding to me. Hassan Kim, about a 13% walk rate and a 20% K rate. That's very good. He's provided tremendous production, 135 WRC+. plus. He was a player that I wish the Mariners would have gone after at the deadline. It would have cost them a pretty penny. Uh, and then no other big walk rates of note. Trent Grisham, almost 13%, but not a very uh, threatening hitter at hitting 218. And then off the bench, Matt Carpenter. Uh, Strikeout-wise, same deal. Uh, Grisham at 28%, but the majority of the regulars are 20% below, which is very nice. So you got an offense, as I said, who is comparable to the Mariners, is led by Juan Soto, but you have lots of names and lots of star power throughout. Um, a An offense that can explode at any time, but you've seen them shut down quite a bit this season. Pitching-wise, uh, the Mariners are going to face Nick Martinez and you Darvish. That's their number five and number one. Uh, they've gotten a great season from Blake Snell. He might end up being the NL Cy Young Award winner, believe it or not. Uh, 124 innings, 2.61 ERA, 31.3% K rate. You Darvish, 114 innings of 4.41 ERA. Joe Musgrove is on the injured list. 
Seth Lugo has been a very nice signing uh, from the Mets. They converted him into a starter, 92 innings, 4.19 ERA. Michael Walker has been good. So pitching staff that's been pretty good. We saw that in the numbers when you compare the two teams. As I said, the Mariners will face Martinez and Darvish in this series. Uh, and then in their minor leagues, they have tra- they traded away a ton of prospects in the last couple of years. The last big deal being the Soto deal where they gave up uh, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, uh, Harleen Susana, uh, Robert Hassel III, and James Woods. So really gave up a boatload, which you would expect would have to happen in order to acquire Juan Soto, but it really has depleted their uh, their farm system. So their number one prospect, according to most, is Jackson Merrill, left-handed shortstop, left-handed hitting shortstop. Um, with some ground ball issues. I don't see him as a star. I think he will be a very good regular, but not a star. He's slated to show up in the major league team in 24. Uh, I think that makes sense. I'm not sure where you play him given Bogert's Machado and Kim, but uh, he will in likely be up. You could also see them using him as trade, uh, trade bait for another veteran. The other prospect of note, the only other one that I think is is worth mentioning on this list is Ethan Salas. He's a 17-year-old catcher uh, who was just signed this this year, but is he's a prodigy, a left-handed hitting catcher. Um, he just go watch him. He's in uh, in a ball right now, Lake Elsinore. But if you haven't seen him play, it's wild to see a 17-year-year-old out there in a ball. Um, playing well, hitting the ball hard, knows how to handle pitching staff, really, really fun uh, to watch. So he would be the one that I would put the star next to. So today's pitching matchup is Logan Gilbert against Nick Martinez. As you know, Gilbert, 26 years old, 9-5 and five with a 3.86 ERA and a 107 whip. Uh, pretty even splits versus lefties and righties, 11.5% swinging strike rate. Um, but almost a run and a half better on the road than he is at home, which is wild considering the uh, T-Mobile is such a pitcher's park. So 4-6-6 ERA at home and a 3-2-2 on the road. Uh, nothing really else to speak of. Just watch the the slider and the splitter usage. They go up and down, and I think the more slider splitter he uses, the better pitcher he is. Gilbert is facing Nick Martinez. 33-year-old right-handed pitcher, 6'1", 200 pounds, originally drafted in the 18th round by the Rangers in 2011. He signed a three-year, $26 million contract in the offseason. He's been interesting. He's been very good this season, 5-4 with a 3.68 ERA and a 1-2-3 whip. Um, Heavy ground ball, 54% ground ball pitcher, but 13% swinging strike rate as well. Those two... Numbers together, lots of ground balls and lots of swinging strikes is a very good sign. And uh, it's something we haven't seen a 13% strike rate from Nick Martinez uh, in his career. He is much better against righties than he is against lefties, which is to be expected. Um, it's typical, I guess. 264 with a 442 uh, slug versus lefties, 220 with a 289 slug against righties. Much better at home, 2570 ERA on the road, 540. He leads with the changeup, 27%, 81 miles an hour, 
46% whiff rate on that changeup. So 46% whiff rate on his highest usage pitch, which starts to explain why he's been so good this season. Second highest usage is the sinker at 22%, 93 miles an hour. Very few whiffs. The sinker is almost exclusively thrown to right-handed hitters. 229 of his 267 sinkers have been to righties. Expect the Mariners right-handed hitters, specifically uh, Julio Rodriguez, to see a ton of sinkers up and in. Uh, Cutter, 20% at 89 miles an hour. This is his worst pitch performance-wise. 371 average and a 645 slug against the Cutter. Uh, Curveball, 19%, 82 miles an hour. It's a good pitch. And then four-seam fastball, 13% at 93 miles an hour. So, And then the majority of his four-seamers are against lefties. Zone contact rate is right about league average. Uh, first pitch strikes, uh, he's 5% above league average with first pitch strikes. And then a, almost a 29% whiff rate, which is close to 5% higher than uh, major league average. So again, he's been very effective. He pitched in Japan for four years after pitching for the Rangers, came back and signed with the Padres in 22. Uh, but, you know, a bit of, it's weird to say, call a, nine, a pitcher with a 93-mile-an-hour fastball and sinker a junk baller, but that's kind of what he is. Tons of change-ups. Um, the Padres are a change-up heavy team. Michael Waka also leads with the change-up. Uh, but look for the Mariners to play a lot of lefties in this game. Um, probably see Mike Ford. Uh, certainly we'll see Cade Marlowe. Uh, see Dominic Canzone in all likelihood, Josh Rojas at second, all likely. So it'll be fun. And uh, this game, again, it's always fun to see uh, teams play each other who you're not used to seeing. We see them in spring training because they share the facility in Peoria, but to see them at T-Mobile against the Padres uh, for me will be fun. I will add that, the Padres have what I consider to be the coolest uniforms in baseball. Uh, historically, the brown and yellow is just, in my opinion, is dope. So this will be fun. Uh, super excited to see Emerson Hancock, hopefully tomorrow. Mariners on a roll, 110 of the last 12. Uh, shaping up to be a an awesome stretch run. I will, I think I'm going to leave the... Uh, no, we'll do it. Let's do it today. I've got time. So 2024 offseason, the exercise that I did was to read the articles from ESPN and, and CBS Sports on the their top 10 targets uh, in the 2024 offseason, free agent-wise, and then break down the Mariners roster, who I think will be on the team, who I think is on the bubble. Um, and then try to plug those holes. So top 10 from CBS Sports was obviously Shohei Otani, uh, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, Eduardo Rodriguez, Cody Bellinger, Julio Urias, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, and Jimer Candelario. You got one, two, three, four bats of, of the 10 in Candelario, Bellinger, Chapman, and Otani. Uh, the major difference between the two lists is uh, ESPN has Josh Hader on that list and uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is a right-handed, uh, 5'10", right-handed starting pitcher in Japan, who's been dominant. 
um, and I people believe will be uh, coming to the major leagues next season. There are lots of other names on the ESPN list. Uh, some of those we will talk about. None of those truly stand out to me. So you look at the Mariners roster, the priorities that I have for the Mariners roster are to re-sign Tom Murphy. I think that actually will get done pretty soon. That gives you a very good catching uh, duo for the next couple of years until Harry Ford is ready. Uh, find some first base pop. So replacing Ty France, essentially. Uh, figuring out a solution at second base long-term, whether that's Ryan Bliss, uh, acquiring a second baseman, if Josh Rojas, if you believe Josh Rojas can be a part of that solution, deciding what that solution is going to be and making it work. Uh, a right-handed hitting outfielder, whether the Mariners outfield consists of J-Rod Kelnick and Marlowe, Canzone, um, whatever it is, they're going to need someone to play that A.J. Pollock role. Uh, could be Teoscar Hernandez. It could be somebody else, but they're going to need someone there. And then certainly a DH. I do not believe, despite his great season, that Mike Ford is a long-term solution at DH. They are going to need to find someone who can do that. So who's safe? At catcher, I believe it's going to be Raleigh and Murphy. First base, there's a vacancy. Uh, primary second baseman, there's a vacancy. I put Dylan Moore in the utility role, second, third, short, outfield. J.P. Crawford's entrenched as short. I do think there is a slight possibility if they found the right shortstop, they would move him to second, specifically because of the defensive range being so far reduced. But as of right now, I'm putting Crawford in as short. And then Jared Kelnick and J-Rod. I also have Dominic Canzone as the DH. You could have him potentially in right field against right-handed starters, but he's somewhere in that mix. So that leaves first base, probably two first basemen, or eh, depending on whether you, you consider Canzone to be a first baseman. So a first baseman, at least one, a right-handed hitting outfielder, either a starting outfielder or a DH, depending on where you want Canzone, and a second baseman to be able to handle the majority of starts. So I've got Ty France, Mike Ford, Jose Caballero, Josh Rojas, and Cade Marlowe all on the bubble as to whether they are part, they are part of the 26-man roster that breaks camp. I think Ty France is gone. I could see Josh Rojas leaving. Um, Marlowe, I'd love to see Marlowe, but then, you know, you're left-handed heavy in the outfield with Canzone, Kelnick, and Marlowe. And then Caballero could certainly be a utility player, but you want to upgrade on that. Um, but I I do have him as a very similar player to Dylan Moore. In the minors, I think the two players you could see that have a shot to break camp with the team would be Ryan Bliss and Jonathan Classe. I think Bliss has to play well this off or play well the rest of this season and have a good camp, but he could become that starting second baseman next season. You want to see that. Uh, and as a righty, you wouldn't have to worry as much about um, platooning him. So Bliss would mean that either Caballero or Dylan Moore would probably not make the team. And then also giving Jonathan Classe a look as one of the three outfielders. Um, he is a switch hitter, so he could play some of that uh, that A.J. Pollock role, but he's a much better hitter as a left-hander. So 
um, not his strong uh, platoon split to have him in that role. But those two players would be minor leaguers who you might see make the team. Pitching wise, you've got, you already have Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, and Wu. You're going to add Hancock to that mix. You've got six starters. I do not know if, um, so it's probably not going to be a free agent need until I come up with the scenario that makes sense to me. I'll bring that up in a minute. And then bullpen wise, I've got five guys penciled in as of right now. Gabe Spire, uh, Taylor Saucedo, Matt Brash, Andres Munoz, and Justin Topa. That would leave room for probably two more, maybe three. So you've got, you know, some spots open, but primarily what what needs to be filled is really two bigger bats, um, two bigger regular bats uh, to supplement at or to help at first and DH corner outfield. So what do they do? Right. I think you make a huge run at Shohei Otani. You consider that a one off. Um, he's obviously the best DH around and a top 10 starting pitcher. Uh, signing him would, I think, motivate you to trade one, if not two, of the starting pitchers, the young starting pitchers in this rotation. I'm guessing it would probably be something like Gilbert and Wu or Gilbert and Hancock, but imagine what you could get back for those two. Um, but that's a, a dream one-off scenario to sign Otani. Uh, chances are they won't. Next scenario or next player, two players to bring up, Cody Bellinger, um, left-handed hitting outfielder, first baseman. For the Cubs, he won, I believe, the 19 National League MVP with the Dodgers. He's had a great year, hit for a lot less power than uh, – than we're used to from him, but has had a great year. I believe he's hitting like 320, 330 right now with the Cubs. He would be expensive. Um, he would fill that. Uh, probably, he'd probably play a corner outfield or first base for the Mariners. Um, a very good player. I don't know if that's who I would want as a Mariners fan or as Jerry DePoto. Uh, but a very good offensive player would elevate the offense tremendously. I think he would probably hit third behind uh, Julio. Uh, but I, he probably will become too expensive. I can see the, the uh, Yankees going after him. Reese Hoskins is coming off a big injury that ended his season. Uh, first right-handed hitting first baseman for the Phillies. Hoskins is uh, a right-handed power hitter. He's not going to hit for much average. Really what he is, is a, like a 240 hitter with 30 home runs at first. He uh, will be 30, he'd be his age 31 season next season. Um, But, you know, he had 30 home runs in 22. He hit 246 with a 332 on base, 122 WRC plus in 21. He hit 27 home runs and 443 plate appearances to 127 WRC plus every season in the majors. He's run double digit walk rates. Uh, He's had no fewer than 27 home runs besides the COVID year uh, since 18. So 18, 19, 21 and 22, he's had 27 or more home runs. So power hitter, not a very high average has never hit above 259 is going to walk around 10%. Um, I think he would be a very good hitter in this lineup. 
I don't know if he moves the needle tremendously, even though he is an above average uh, hitter. I do like him a hell of a lot more than I like Ty France. So is he the right fit given the Mariners window starting to open to compete for a world series? Not necessarily at 31. Is he a better alternative than Ty France? 100% he is. Uh, And then for the Pollock role, the AJ Pollock role is what I'm calling that fourth right-handed hitting fourth outfielder. You've got Tommy Pham, Harrison Bader, Randall Gritchick, those type of dudes. They aren't going to take much to sign. Uh, Bader might be more expensive. I think Pham would come here on a one-year deal. I would love to see that. You know, I'm a fan. And then the scenario that honestly makes the most sense to me outside of being able to sign Otani, which is pie in the sky, would be to sign a priority for me would be in order of Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, or... Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, Here's my thought. So Snell, local kid, left-handed starter, um, has been very good this year, as I've said. He's going to be expensive, um, but I think the Mariners would have a leg up on the competition because he is local in signing him. He would uh, really slot in with Kirby and Gilbert and all those guys if you didn't deal Gilbert uh, but would look great, I think, in the rotation. Also provide a little bit of diversity in the rotation being left-handed. Uh, Yamamoto, you know, is a bit of a wild card, but has been dominant in Japan. Um, and then Nola has had a down year this season, is very similar to George Kirby in many, many ways. Uh, great command. Stuff is just a quarter of a tick below elite, but... Um, Nola is a, you know, perennial NL Cy Young candidate, and I don't think he would come cheap. I think he would come cheaper because of the, uh, because of his down season, but he is from Louisiana, went to LSU. Uh, I wonder if he would want to come all the way up to Seattle, but a pitcher that I love. Here's a thought process. If you were to sign Snell, Yamamoto, or Nola, which... I think it it is going to be easier to sign a big pitcher, free agent pitcher, than it is to find the correct bat in free agency just because those bats aren't there, right? After Shohei, it's Matt Chapman, who is a deluxe version of a Eugenio Suarez, essentially, a low average, high power hitter who plays great defense at third base. We already have that, even if he's not quite as good. Cody Bellinger, who... Are you going to trust his 2020, 21, and 22, or are you going to trust his 2023 season? Big outlay for a hitter like that would make me slightly nervous because he was so bad for a couple of years. And then you're talking about names like Jimer Candelario, who doesn't do anything for me. And if you put him at first, he's essentially Ty France or a healthy Ty France. Um, Hoskins, as I said, is an upgrade, but not anything I would get excited about. And then the names after that are just bad. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, Harrison Bader, Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, Kevin Kiermeyer, Hunter Renfro, uh, Adam Duvall, Andrew McCutcheon, Randall Gritchick, Michael A. Taylor. Like those aren't names that are going to make the team better. So if you really want to acquire that impact bat, truly, if it's me, 
and I miss out on Otani, you go sign, you have the payroll to do it. We all know this. You go sign Blake Snell, Yamamoto, Nola, and then you turn around and you trade Logan Gilbert or Brian Wu or Bryce Miller or Emerson Hancock or even two of them for a big, big, big time bat, right? If you went to the Cardinals, I bring up Jordan Walker a lot, but if you go to the Cardinals and you said, I will give you Logan Gilbert and Brian Wu for Jordan Walker. How do the Cardinals say no, given their need for pitching? Right? Now you've got another potential superstar bat to slot in. Right? That's the kind of bat you can start talking about if you can put two of these guys together. Or you even put two of them together with a Harry Ford. But you have created such a surplus of incredible, controllable starting pitching that if you were to sign one of these free agent starters and slot them in this rotation – you could now deal from that strength. That to me is how you find a big bat. It's not through through strict free agency because those bats aren't there. You're going to have to put together a deal from your strength to trade for one. I would love that. That's that's to me my solution to making the Mariners better in the offseason. We will continue to explore this as time wears on, as we get into the offseason, but this is my... Um, initial take when I look at the roster and I look at what's available in free agency. So that's today's Mariners cast. Um, congratulations, Emerson Hancock, on the promotion. We will be back tomorrow to talk about tonight's game and preview the pitching matchup um, on Wednesday. The Mariners cast is presented to you by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. Enjoy this Padres game. Uh, Rest up. See you tomorrow. Peace.